1: Hello everyone, welcome to BYT Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. BYT Radio stands for Brightest Young Things Radio. Brightest Young Things is an arts and culture website based out of Washington, D.C., with a presence in New York and Chicago. It is the end of the year. We are in the midst of our end of the decade lists, our terrible teen series. We're in the best in the midst of our best of 2019 series. Uh, we wrap up our best films, the top 50 films of the decade. This Friday on British Young Things. Uh, This week, our Best Films of 2019 went up, uh, which leads us to our interview today with the filmmaker of the brand-new documentary, The Kingmaker. Uh, You've definitely seen her work. You've probably seen Queen of Versailles, if you've seen her work. Uh, Lauren Greenfield is here today. Lauren, how are you?
0: Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: So you made a documentary about Imelda Marcos. Uh, Most Americans know Imelda Marcos for shoes, and probably that's it. Maybe the David Byrne opera based on her shoes. And uh, she spent a lot of money, isn't she wacky? And then you watch the film, uh, The Kingmaker, which is by Showtime Films, and you realize, oh, this is a horrible human being. Uh, now, I don't want to put judgment on you, but uh, by the end of that film, I think it's fair to say not the most up-and-up person.
0: Well, I think it's <laughs> been, she has been underestimated in so many ways. She is, I think uh... that's
1: an understatement, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Amelda Marco's, like, in the bio for the film... You think that you, you start doing this with her in 2014 thinking, eh, this might be a redemption arc. This is a woman that's sort of been overlooked. She was just sort of a, a, a punchline. But the entire time she was a punchline, she was actually the puppet master, some might say. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that people did know that she was a really powerful part of that regime. They mm-hmm. called it the conjugal dictatorship. Ferdinand Marcos, the president, was very ill at, at a very critical point. And and people thought she was running the show from behind the scene. But cut to 1986, they get deposed, they get chased out of the palace, accused of stealing five to ten billion dollars. Billion with a B. Billion in 1986 dollars. So almost trillion. <laughs> and um, the 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 reason that I started the film was I could not believe that she was able to go back to the Philippines, um, where she goes in 1991. And become a congresswoman. So the fact that she was alive and back in office was kind of stunning to me. So
1: she was 85 when you started this 84. She was about to turn 85. This is in 2014. uh, And by the end of the film, the only thing I could uh, think of is, why did she agree to do this with you?
0: Well, I think in 2014, the stakes were lower. I mean, a big part of the film is that it's a comeback story for her and the Marcoses. But in 2014, even though she was a congresswoman, they were sidelined. Um, there were many, many... There had been hundreds of cases against them that they had been navigating through the years. And, um, and the opposition pr- was in charge. President Aquino was the president from 2010 to 2016. And I think Amelda missed some of the attention from when she was on the world stage... She and Ferdinand Marcos were like, kind of like their Jack and Jackie Kennedy. Well, there's a
1: wonderful little montage you have of her and him, mostly her, meeting seemingly every world leader for roughly 30 years.
0: He kind of sent her out as this very unusual female diplomat to kind of charm the other leaders. She was never, um, you know, really a a stateswoman or a politician. She said, I didn't like to read books about the leaders. She worked very intuitively, and so she became friends with people that she was really surprised others called monsters like Saddam Hussein, Chairman Mao,
1: and Gaddafi. So, in that same clip, I'm thinking, do you believe her? I'm wondering this. Do you think she actually did no reading? Do you think she did no research? Or she's just very smart and understands how certain parts of the world work: Oh,
0: works. I believe that she didn't do that kind of research. Okay. Because I think she is a very... Intuitive politician. And I think she's a very natural and ambitious power player. So I think she wanted to be um, on good terms with the people that she saw had power and money.
1: So you don't think she was in denial about the realities of what she was interacting with? She just never let it in. So she couldn't be in denial. Does that
0: make sense? Yes. And I would say the same thing applies to herself. Because what we learn in the film is that almost everything she says and she's a masterful and charismatic storyteller is
1: untrue. Well, the film opens with and in the first three minutes of the film, there's two visuals that just stick with you. The first of her giving away money. You instantly think like, oh, what a caring, giving lady not realizing until later unless you know the history of the Philippines that like, oh no, she stole all of this money. So you're not actually doing anything nice. And it looks like she's just this wonderful, caring human being. And then but, what, 10, 20 seconds later, you think, oh, she's a caring beautiful, caring uh, spouse because she's still grieving over her husband. And then throughout the course of the next uh, hour and 40 minutes, you realize, oh, well, the only reason she cares about this dude is because it impacts her today. She is a wonderfully great manipulator. That's why she's still at this level. So I understand why you wanted to talk to her. I still don't understand why she wanted to talk to you.
0: I think that she um, feels... Victimized by the way her story had been told.
1: 100%. But this is, you start this in 2014. So the Queen of Versailles is already out. Queen of Versailles made an impact. So if any reason for her to know who you are, it's that film. How could she see that film and not be like, oh, that's not a good ending for me? Well,
0: I think she is a narcissist. Okay. <laughs> so I think she probably did not spend a lot of time, uh, watching all my movies
1: sure (laughs) but how about just the most recent one how about the reason why you probably even made contact with her you know what i mean like that's a great film about a very depressing situation that looks like a very lovely situation i don't think it's that much different than what's happened in the philippines except the film is way worse than what happened in certain parts of America
0: I mean you would think that her publicist that's would what I'm wondering it. here but the thing is I mean one of the things that was really interesting about filming an election and the first lady there is that there are not as many layers of kind of spin doctors and protection okay. on even you know uh, a, a, a major political figure like Imelda marcos
1: i i apologize for not uh, laying out the timeline uh, earlier this starts in 2014 the film is being released now it kind of goes up until this summer is it fair to say
0: yeah i mean the main part of the film goes through the elections in 2016 but and then
1: there's the aftermath of the yes. elections which is not that dissimilar to gore versus bush but yes. like way more corrupt until 2019 exactly yeah and it's still going on
0: it's right in the middle of going on okay
1: So this is the kind of film where you're like, this could be used in a court of law if there was any legit court of law. But there's probably no legit court of law. It's in the postscript of your film. The Supreme Court is already being manipulated in the Philippines. Sorry, I'm like all over the map here. The law
0: has never been like a huge barrier for Imelda Marcos, is the truth. That's a good point. And I think that's also why she's so open and candid in the film with seemingly things that you would think would be very incriminating and you would hide rather than brag about, but because she's never had any accountability and sees herself a victim, she comes out with some admissions that seem like major bombshells.
1: So we're sort of tiptoeing around the obvious thing here, which is the current president of the United States of America. He makes two appearances in your film, one in the first five minutes during a quick montage. It's a uh, WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump with Marla Maples in a, in a montage. And then someone mentions Trump when it comes to the election of Amelda's son. And that's in like minute ninety. Oh no no
0: the election of Duterte. Yes, saying Duterte was a surprise like Trump. like Trump, We've and that's
1: mistaken. it. So you, it doesn't necessarily This is not a reaction about the Trump administration. This was put into place well before Trump was even running.
0: Although he certainly his his election certainly impacted my thinking in the edit of the movie because okay. most of the edit was is was a very long edit, um, almost two years, but really between. 2016 and 18 or into 19 and um, and first Duterte was elected which was um, in many ways a big shock particularly as it really represented the return of another kind of authoritarian regime um, when people in the Philippines felt like they left that behind in favor of democracy in 1986
1: was that May of 2016?
0: Uh, Something like that? Yes. And then I think exactly. like a
1: month later was Brexit. So and then
0: Duterte and yes. then Trump. Exactly. And, so, yeah.
1: you personally, were you surprised what happened on November 9th, 2016? Yes. You were? Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Although, I mean, yeah, I did a book and a movie called Generation Wealth. Yes. In a lot of ways, <laughs> Donald Trump is the apotheosis of Donald of, of Generation Wealth. So, in some ways, the work predicted his rise. But me personally, I would say it was more putting the pieces together in retrospect. Um, When Duterte won, I told my crew it was not going to happen in our country. And then six months later, ate my words. Did they all laugh at you? Yes. (laughs) That's great. And and of course, there has been some mutual admiration between Trump and Duterte. But I think the thing about the story is it was really a cautionary tale for us in terms of how um fragile democracy is and how um quickly they they uh went back to so many of the um policies right out of the marcos playbook
1: well it's it's heartbreaking in a lot of different ways the two biggest is probably the persecution and prosecution and uh entertainment of political prisoners that should have never been detained and it's just Straight up depressing They were fighting They were part of the opposition And when I say the opposition That's literally what they were called And then the other depressing part Is the slums um, That the Marcoses Made happen Without the Marcoses, You could say the slums Don't ever exist Because they take care Of the people with the money The billions of dollars Some of which went to New York City real estate um, And now these same people In the slums are goes, Well I, I like the Marcos Because the Marcos were better is it sort of the devil you know situation, or is it just ignorance? No, is it a media thing? I don't, thing? I don't is think it?
0: it's the devil you know, because um, one of the issues and one of the things the Marcuses took advantage of is the fact that many young people who are voting did not remember before 1986.
1: Oh, it, there's another depressing scene that you have. And then they're in the schools, and it's the very basic, who controls the past, controls the future, rewriting the textbooks, rewriting the history of it. That's a given. But I'm assuming, though, that like the Internet's not huge there. Public radio's not huge Internet there. is huge. Internet is huge.
0: They are, I think, the number one users of Facebook in the world. And that was a huge part of how the Marcuses were able to rewrite history because, for one, the, the um, terrible abuses during martial law did not get put in the textbooks in a rigorous way. And for two, the huge resources of the Marcos money, much of which was not recuperated by the government, went into social media.
1: Could you? Uh, would, do you want to say the postscript in your film about Facebook now, or should I? Oh, you can... <laughs> they, there was like, like over hundreds of thousands of ads between... Hundreds between, of yeah.
0: accounts that were controlled by Duterte and the Marcoses were shut down. And the thing that... On Facebook. On Facebook. And even though there is such poverty... So many poor people do have access to the internet, and one of the interesting things is that you pay for a certain amount of data per month Mm -hmm. on your service, but Facebook is free, and so for many people, Facebook is the primary source of news, and um, of course that was um, a big way that Marcos and Duterte put forward their propaganda.
1: Now, at this point, should we even is Duterte just a straw man for the Marcoses? No. By I th- the way, this is not a conspiracy theory. Uh, I want to make it very clear. <laughs> Donald Trump is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Duterte was elected, and in the film, we find out that it was a, his election was somewhat funded by the Marcoses.
0: There's an alliance that's revealed between the Marcoses and Duterte, and um, um, I think Duterte is a very powerful politician in his own right. I think it was a kind of marriage of convenience.
1: Does he win without the Marcoses? In your opinion.
0: Nobody really knows because the amount of money that was given to him is unknown. Um, I think that he had a huge popularity and an admiration of the Marcuses and their funding very much helped him. And he has returned the favor in several kind of quid pro quo ways. He gave um, Imelda Marcus a, a hero's burial for... The president. Which
1: ties us back to our opening scene in the uh, opening month, opening five minutes of the film. So, okay, let's trace all this back. Imelda Marcos, beauty queen, uh, marries a senator. That senator and her, according to her, says, I won't be a senator anymore because uh, you don't like politics and you're more important to me. Imelda says, no, I'm going to go to a New York City psychiatrist <laughs> to say, you know what? I love you so much, I'm going to be grateful. All of a sudden, that gratefulness turns into a president for life in the Philippines. He dies, she becomes... Sort of public enemy number one, and then flees to Hawaii of all places, right? Well, they
0: both flee. They both flee to Hawaii. Well,
1: he's almost on his deathbed, though. The palace is sort of rated. That's where we in the public find out about the shoes. That's where the jokes become. And this is 86.
0: Yes. And not just the shoes, but the jewelry, the bank accounts, the properties,
1: the dresses, the custom dresses. That being said, if you're going to spend other people's money, good job. She spent it well. She creates fashion sense. Moving on. I love her shoulder pads. Moving on. (laughs) 86, Hawaii, correct? Yes. Because she's a friend of democracy, friend of the United States. Her son, who's got the best nickname of all time, possibly?
0: Bong Bong. Bong
1: Bong moves back to the Philippines in 1990. You definitely could have cut this from the film, but you kept it in for people like me. He demands a (laughs) first-class ticket. Not important to the story, but totally important to the type of person he is. He's asking for money. His friend gives him a plane ticket. I'm assuming this is two dudes. I don't know why. And he says, like, hey, I need a first-class ticket. Come on, dude. (laughs) Come on. And Is this correct? A year later, Amelda Marcos moves back, finds out she's sort of beloved still. She's getting sort of a hero's welcome. She runs for senator a few years later, is still a senator. She's a
0: congresswoman. She's a congresswoman. I apologize. She actually, first she runs for president. This is in the film because she doesn't win. But she says, I didn't really want to be president. It was just an alibi to come back. Then she runs for Congresswoman, and she's very successful in both the North and the South. Which
1: is important. Uh, that's one of the reasons why her husband became president, because she represents one side, he represents the other. Now you get the whole. Moving on. Her oldest daughter becomes the governor?
0: Yes. First a uh, Congresswoman, I think, but then she's in, during the film, she's a governor of a Locus Norte, which... Bong Bong has also been a governor of Alocus Norte. Amelda has also been a congresswoman of Alocus Norte. So political dynasty is huge.
1: There is it fair to say there's some sexism when it comes to Bong Bong versus his older old, uh, his sister because the sister seems a hell of a lot more qualified than Bong Bong to become president, but Bong Bong is the oldest son. Therefore, Bongbong Bong is expected to run as president. And he says it since he was like 8 or 9 or 10 years old. That He's Imeldo also the wanted.
0: namesake. It's Thank Ferdinand, Bongbong, okay. and Bong Marcos.
1: How could you be the namesake <laughs> if you're Bong, Bong? I don't care. Anyways, Bong, Bong runs for vice president because, you make this clear in the film, unlike the United States, vice president is on a separate ticket than the president. Uh, he loses...
0: But it's also a backdoor.
1: Exactly, which we're getting to. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is so familiar. Um, he loses... But uh, it's challenged in the courts, and he cl- loses even more once it's challenged in the courts. And this is still going on. Now the vice president has been disp- deposed or the arrested cur- under trial. What's going on She's right still,
0: now? still Lenny Robredo, who was the vice president who won by a small margin, is still the vice president. Okay, but there have there are government charges against her and many other members of the opposition.
1: And since then, Duterte has replaced people on the Supreme Court to be more friendly to the Marcoses. So Bongbong still might be vice president, even though she's been vice president for three years.
0: They haven't dismissed it yet. In fact, they have counted that you get to, Bongbong got to pick the three provinces that he wanted recounted. Okay. They have already recounted they have not found anything in Bogmong's favor. In fact, it went up 15,000 in Lenny's favor. And yet, the Duterte Majority Supreme Court has not dismissed the case. So it could be that he wins, or it could be that they just keep it going, and then he gets the sympathy vote for 2022.
1: Now, in the Philippines, you can only run for one term. So Duterte's only going to be there for six years, even though he should never be there because you know the obvious. So... Bong, Bong is most likely going to run as pres- for president?
0: I think it's likely he'll run.
1: If you had to put money down, would you bet for or against Bongbong?
0: Bong? For running or for winning? For winning. I think he'll run. I think it depends who Duterte anoints. I think Duterte's got the power as another kingmaker. yeah. Of course, the Marcoses have a lot of power in that they can put money behind a candidate. Um, How? So them How together- do they still
1: have money? This so, is mind-blowing. You sort of get into it in the film, but it's still not clear because it's just... Is it because they used the stolen money to keep controlling the courts?
0: Uh, yes. Okay, cool. That's Party. one reason, but also they hid it in so many places. Like in that room, there's one moment where Amelda invites me into what she calls her gymnasium at mm-hmm. her family home, and it's literally... The hundreds of thousands of court documents from the U.S. case against her, yeah. U.S. versus Marcos, you would think that these would be painful reminders of you know this money laundering. They're lodger. like trophies to her, and they're like trophies to her because she won the case. I actually anybody can get those documents from their own case, uh-huh. but I heard it costs a million dollars to actually photocopy them all and transport them to the Philippines. Oh my God! So she's made almost like a museum quality. Installation in her home of these documents which literally have every single bank, all of the buildings in New York, the collection of jewelry, the collection of paintings. Um, according to um, an expert at Christie's, her jewelry collection rivaled that of Queen Elizabeth and Elizabeth Taylor.
1: Oh, man. Well, at least Elizabeth Taylor earned her. So the- and there
0: are 170 priceless paintings still missing. Oh,
1: yeah. There's a great scene where... <laughs> They're like this is a, is a this is a Monet and this is a Picasso and then they then <laughs> you interview uh, the gentleman who is unfortunately in like Oklahoma now or something like that um, and he did a great like comparison of like this is when we uh, told them before we were coming and then this is after they've replaced all the paintings they're nowhere to be found and now that man because of who's the president is hiding for his life in Oklahoma, cool, <laughs> yes. so. Uh, what's your theory on hope do you have any uh, has there ever been hope or is it just a cycle that we're hope always hope for what's happening in you know the Caribbean. world I mean I based on I, the I work guess. that you do for the last decade <laughs> and where we are right now as a world not yes. the state not the states but the world I mean it is hope.
0: dark in that what we see there is this kind of return of authoritarian regimes that we see happening in a lot of places and the rise of populism the appeal of the strong man the, the breakdown of democratic institutions I hope that the story of what happened in the Philippines can be a cautionary tale for us. And I guess I see hope in that kind of waking up moment.
1: Do you think, where, that, do you think that the world right now is waking up or this, the United States is waking up?
0: Um, I'm not sure we're there yet. I, okay. th- I think that like in Generation Wealth, um, it, I, I equate all of these addictions,
2: mm-hmm.
0: all of these s- greed and and um, kind of insatiable desire for more with addiction. And the only way to get out of addiction is hit rock bottom and have a kind of wake-up moment. And it does feel like we're close to rock bottom, but um, I'm not sure we're
1: there yet. I will respectfully disagree. Uh, Here's why. Uh, We're still debating on why the Civil War happened, and I feel like the 2016 election will be the new talking point of like, no, that's not what happened. It's like no no clearly this is what happened. This is what tore people apart. It's so obvious. There's a pure evil on one side. Right. And then th- but it's not going to happen. And I don't see that ever changing. So, so cheer up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I really just want to talk about your mental state are, because you're living with these these stories for years and they're not happy stories.
0: Well, they're not happy stories, but they're also um, they're important heroes that I think give hope. Like um, Lenny Robretto, the current vice president, is a kind of strong voice. But You're, you know <laughs> how
1: your film ends, right? It's not <laughs> enough. It's dark. It's, it's dark, dark.
0: dark. It's dark. It's dark.
1: So, how are, do you see a therapist? <laughs> no. Oh, I see a therapist. It's great. I think everyone should. Know. I
0: feel like the work is my therapy. the
1: work is your therapy. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be dangerous one day. <laughs> um, do you think Trump's going to win? Oh. As of right now, you had to put a dollar down. Where do you put that money?
0: I mean, I have to say no, because that's the that's, hope. That's
1: the hope, but that seems to be a lie. I don't want to go there yet. Fair enough. Speaking of not going there, you're dealing with Susan Rice tonight. Sorry, I'm trying to feed Dick, and I'm succeeding about that. Um, your film's currently at East Street Cinema, arguably the best place to see a film in Washington, D.C., uh, at least based on the, the quality programming they do. Uh, why is Susan Rice uh, going to be at the film tonight?
0: We're going to have a conversation about the, about the film and mm-hmm. the issues that it brings up. And I'm super excited to talk to her about it.
1: Uh, what are your thoughts on Susan Rice? I'm not, you're clearly going to say nice things, I'm assuming. So yes. feel free to say yes. them now.
0: She's incredible. And Great. she has this amazing new book.
1: Um, who do you want to cover next? Because you live with these stories for a long time.
0: I don't know, but if I knew, I probably would not tell you. Fair enough, <laughs> fair
1: enough. What is one story that's exciting that you're definitely not going to pursue?
0: I mean, I would love to be behind the scenes with the current president and also the women in his life. Oh, interesting. That would be um, amazing.
1: Do you know who Vince McMahon is? No. Okay, Vince McMahon is the head of the WWE. Do you know what the WWE is? World Wrestling Entertainment, formerly World Wrestling Federation. Now, when does the Imalgo de the Marcos thing, the Donald Trump thing, that happens roughly 1990 because...
0: Um, oh, that picture of yeah, them together? Yeah, that picture of
1: them together. Uh, because Imelda Marcos... Sorry. Because Donald Trump, uh, during WrestleMania four, that was the uh, WrestleMania that was held at Trump Plaza, was currently married to Ivana. Ivanka? Which one is the daughter? Ivana. Ivana. He was married to Ivanka. And Marlon Maples was sitting in the row behind him. And then the next year... Uh, she was sitting next to him because they were separated. And then two years later, when Marla Maples was a a guest correspondent at WrestleMania 7. This all matters because, now this is where I sound like a conspiracy theorist, not a conspiracy theorist at all. That's the same era, the same timeline, where Donald Trump got away from defrauding the United States government of millions upon millions of dollars, and he convinced the government that his name was worth more than money. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see how I'm comparing this to the Marcoses, where the reputation means more than the actual value of the money.
0: And Amelda sums it up for herself and also for her era, I think, or our era when she says perception is real and the truth is not.
1: And that's why you need to do a doc about professional wrestling because nothing matters except the story, and I think it's incredibly easy to defeat Boris Johnson and Duterte and Trump and Marcos and all of them. You just got to have a better narrative. But coming up with that narrative is extremely tough, especially when you're not willing to fib. Exactly, I don't understand why you can't be a good person and fib. I un- and like I—that's I, I, probably the other thing I'm wondering until I die.
0: Well, I think one of the one of the tragic things in this film is the assault on the truth, and that is one of the things that we're also dealing with. Um, and uh, I think what you see in the story is how dangerous it is that. Um, that literally the whole experience of martial law and the torture and the oppression and the corruption and the theft can be erased in in literally one generation.
1: Here's the thing. Is it even erased or is it spun? Is it spun as something positive? Because they're acknowledging martial law in the film. They're not saying Tiananmen Square didn't happen. They're saying Tiananmen Square happened and it was for the betterment of the people. That's the difference. Not
0: just for the betterment of the people. She's going further. She's saying it was good for human
1: rights. Yeah, there you go. It was a
0: great time. It was that then the kids at the schools say it was a time of prosperity. So they're not
1: denying it. They're spinning it.
0: Well, they are denying that people were arrested, tortured, and killed.
1: Yes, but Duterte kind of ran on, we're going to torture and kill people that are bad and people. And nobody cares. That, if, no, no, no. They care. <laughs> they like him for it. That's what I mean. So you just have to have a better narrative than that. Here's all you got to do. You got to say, you got to make eye contact with Duterte. If you're a human being and you're running against Duterte, go, you're a little bitch. I could punch you in the face and win. Now I'm all of a sudden the most popular man. But if you're on the right side of history, you would never actually say those things because then you're the bad guy. You see where I'm going with this? I'm kind of all over the map and I apologize.
0: And actually that's why Andy Bautista, who's now in exile, spoke up in the film as he was thinking about being on the right side of history. Um, even though it put him in great peril, but he said, "You also have to make sure that history is written right."
1: Yeah. Do you feel like that's what you're doing?
0: Yeah, I do think yeah. that the part that that that's kind of my hope with the film is that it can be a, um, a, a check for what's real. That Amelda gets to tell her story, but right alongside we hear from people who are actually there, who I call the truth-tellers.
1: So have you spoken to Amelda since the film has been finished?
0: No, we let her know it was opening in Venice Film Festival, okay. and we haven't heard a response.
1: So no one from the Marcoses has contacted you? No. Anybody from the Philippines?
0: We've had a huge um, excitement around the film from the Philippines, and also from the Philippine-American community here. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of reaction. Um, but I haven't heard from
1: can we talk a little bit about distribution I'm assuming if you're making a documentary now you kind of want the showtime the HBO the Netflix thing locked in already because that's how a majority of people E Street's cool everyone every filmmaker prefers either stuff on the big screen but like how this many... film is showtime and no I, that's, what I mean. oh, okay. that's what I mean but like you're currently at the, the movie theater but like so many more people are going to see this on showtime do you think about that when you're making it or is it just like after the fact I just want people to see it
0: no, I mean, I love showing on the big screen. Sure. With Queen of Versailles, it was like my first film in the cinemas. And I think it's it's just such a great way to see the film. For one, I come from photography and you want to see it big. Absolutely. But for two, there's just been an incredible communal reaction of people laughing and crying and gasping out loud Sure. Um, that I've loved. But of course, you can't just do the cinema anymore. And so... In a way, this is for me the kind of ideal one yeah. too, is to be first in the cinema and then, um, and then on streaming. Which... So,
1: will show if I'm in the Philippines, could I see this on show? Is there no? That's what I was Showtime
0: wondering. does not play in the Philippines, okay. so we have an international distributor, Dogwoof, which is making sales around the world. It just opened in England this weekend. But we have yet to make a
1: distribution deal in the Philippines. Do you think that Duterte or someone else might try to silence this?
0: There are government censors that approve everything that goes on cinema and on television there. So
1: have you gotten to that point yet? Does it need to be sold for rights first and then they go through the. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. Are you? Are you? Do you think it will be shown? I
0: mean, Duterte has not been a fan of either criticism or the free press. He's uh, Maria Ressa, the preeminent journalist who was a Time journalist of the year, has been dealing with his constant attacks. He's been. She's um, been arrested twice. There are all of these court cases against her. Um, the major network there, ABS-CBN. Is their license is coming up for renewal, and Duterte is threatening not to renew it. That's like the biggest network in the Philippines. So um, he said that um, he said that journalists can be killed if they're corrupt. Uh-huh. Um, Thirteen journalists have been killed since he's been in office. So um, I don't know whether.
1: Uh, How big is the uh, illegal downloading? streaming community
0: (laughs) well that's the thing yeah i think there there is a lot of piracy and so i think that um people in the philippines will see it one way or another and the trailer i've heard has gone viral there
1: that's something that's something good luck this is a good film and uh i felt both very dumb watching it because it's like i feel like i should have known all of this and i knew so little of this i just knew like uh marcos uh greedy and duterte evil and now I know so much more. <laughs> None of it's positive, though. So uh, thank you for contributing to 2019 being 2019. It's uh, currently in theaters. Do you know when it starts on Showtime? Um, in 2020. In 2020. See in the theater if you can. Uh, yeah. It's a great film if you're in Washington, D.C. tonight at East Street Cinema. And uh, I'm sure you're all over the country doing this. I uh, think so. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in January because this is the last show of the year because it's the holiday season. And uh, I'm going to go buy 3,000 pairs of shoes for everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a wonderful night.
2: When I became First Lady, it became demanding for me. I have to dress up and make myself more beautiful because the poor always looks for a star in the dark of the night. I don't have an answer for why we allow Imelda to even open her mouth. The best politician that I've ever seen is my mother. Her big dream is to restore the greatness of the Marcos family. It's scary if these people are brought to power again. I was always criticized for being excessive, but that is mothering.
1: 3,000 pairs
2: of shoes. Shipping animals from Africa. Picasso. Michelangelo.
1: The demonstrators stormed the gates of the palace to take back what they said was theirs.
2: There was a big reception. I had to wear jewelry. And we were told get into the helicopter. So I put diamonds in diapers. It saved us later on to pay the lawyers. Well, the Marcos has gotten away with murder. That case remains unresolved. Why will I do that? I, I had nothing against him except that they talked too much anyway. The Marcuses scrubbed clean the sins of the past. Nobody said you can't do it. She came back. They found no skeletons, only beautiful shoes. Little did we know they financed the election of Duterte, paving the way for Bongbong Marcos. People were just taking it too easy, not believing that it was possible. Like Trump, no one saw mm-hmm. Trump coming. In. People forget the mistakes of the past, are condemned to repeat them. I want to mother not only the Philippines, but the world. Nobody can stop me. Perception is real, and the truth is not.